Hello, my name is Kristen and I am obsessed with all things play-based and child-led learning. Truly obsessed. I am here to help you navigate the messy and the magical on your journey to a play-based program. It is truly magical on the other side and I want you to feel each day what I feel when I walk into my classroom. I am the homeschool mama to four. I'm the founder of a play and nature-based preschool and forest school and I am here to cheer you on. I'm ready. Are you ready? Let's get going. Welcome to episode 11. All right, so this is a question that I see floating around a lot. I've been asked this question quite a bit. I don't know if I have 100% solidified my answer to this question because it seems like it's ever evolving. So the question that I get asked a lot is how do you talk to parents or the public or anyone about play and its importance for children in early childhood programs? Because play is seen as a novelty. The word play, the 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 general public thinks it's the fun thing that happens after the work has been done. And that is the way our society views play for the most part. There is this beautiful little group of people, this little troop of people in the, in the play-based learning world that know that play is learning. And we are having to be an army to fight for play. And I cannot wait for the day. I don't know when that will be. Hopefully it's sometime in my life where there is a tilt, there is a shift, and all of a sudden the academic programs are the ones who have to start proving that what they are doing is learning. And not just proving through a test or an assessment, but really proving it. It would be really cool to see like a longitudinal study. I'm sure they're out there. I'm sure there's hundreds of them out there already. So of children who left, I know there is, academic programs and went on and and how the difference between play-based and academic-based and it is it is so hard for me and and many other people in this play-based learning world to have to continually find ways to defend our practice and defend what we are doing and why this is the avenue that we know is so good for young children so someday I don't know when, but someday there will be a tilt and there will be a shift and it will be more of the norm and we don't have to have these discussions anymore. But in the meantime, there we still have convincing to do. We still have to convince ourselves because we, again, as a society, have we grew up thinking that play was the fun stuff and that the learning happens in a classroom sitting at a desk with a teacher telling you all of the things and then you learn it and then you test on it and then you move on. But chances are all of that stuff that you in regular traditional school, you f- you would have forgot it like three weeks later because you didn't actually really learn it. It wasn't good sticky learning. Well, play is sticky learning. So sometimes, and we still have to convince our own selves that play is learning. And we need to convince parents who are sending their children to our programs, trusting us with the lives of their little children 
And we know that their the the lives of their children are in much much better hands than in an academic-based program because we know that our practice and our environment and our programs are 100% rooted in brain research. We know this. So here are a list of four things that I am suggesting to help you talk with parents about play, talk with yourself about play, talk with your community about play so that we can become the norm, so that we can educate more people. Number one, let them know that your program or your classroom or your home program and the activities and the environment that you have, they are totally rooted in 100% brain research. Your program is built upon research of the brain that has showed time and time and time and time again all over the place that children learn through play. End of story. Let them know that, that you have built your program on what scientists and researchers have found is the best vehicle for learning, which is play. You can provide the research to them. Have a huge file of play articles. Every time you see one, print it off. Put it in a file folder. Put it in the cabinet. Stick it in a stack. I am not organized, so like all of my things are everywhere. Um, But I do have an organizer at my preschool. And so she puts it all together and puts it in a file or in a binder. Then you have a whole entire library of research articles based on play-based learning research doesn't even have to be research articles. Just anything you find that supports play-based learning, give it to them. Hand it to them. You could give them one a month if you like. Like print it off, send it home as a monthly newsletter. Um, We have done that before in our program. Number two, define play for them. Define it. Let them know that when, that, that we know that children are learning when they are engaged and they're deeply and meaningfully engaged in self-selected activities. Define play for them. Peter Gray has an excellent definition of play. If you aren't sure of it and you haven't listened, I think it's my very, I think it's my second podcast where I, episode two, where I define play. Um, Go back and listen to that. It'll give you some great language to actual define play for people. I often like to use examples. Examples of us as adults, as, as adults, We are in a very, after you've graduated college, you're not done learning. Like, you are not done learning. Use that as something to compare play to. So as an adult, for me, I love to learn about play. (laughs) I love it. I love to learn. I also love to learn about marketing. So I'm going to use marketing as as my example. So if I were, if somebody were to give me a book on finance and say here I want you to read this or accounting read this cover to cover and then I'm going to test you on it in a couple weeks and see how much you learn okay I I would resist I would be like this is horrible I would have a bad attitude I would have anxiety over it it was not self-selected it was something somebody told me to do somebody said here you might need to learn you might need to know about accounting someday so here's all the things about accounting you need to learn it and we're going to test you me i don't care about accounting if i need to learn something i'll figure it out as i go however if somebody said hey what do you think would be something really cool that you would want to learn about now i would be like ooh i want to learn about marketing so i'm going to pick up 
Seth Godin's book called This Is Marketing. I'm going to read it cover to cover in one night. And I'm going to be able to rattle off all of the things marketing for the next seven years of my life because it interested me. It was applicable to my life. It was knowledge that I was actually going to use that pertained to my life and what I needed at the time. And that is what adulthood is. We are constantly learning, but it's all self-directed learning. And so it's the same for little children. It's the same for all people. That when, when we select our own activities, we select our own learning, we select our own avenues, it's going to be much more applicable to our own lives, obviously, and it's going to be so much more intrinsic and it's going to stick. That learning is going to stick because it's important. So define play for them and give them an example. Let them know what an example would look like as an adult of learning through play and have them look at it through that lens. The third thing, let them know that the environment, the environment in your classroom, in your home, in your program, that, that the environment is carefully, carefully, carefully planned out to facilitate learning. You use open-ended materials. The environment is a play, the environment in a play-based classroom is a teacher of the children too. And that you have spent so much time carefully planning and selecting all of the things that are available to the children so that they can have a variety of things to choose from because all children learn different and in different ways and they're all going to pick different things. And so you have planned out that environment in such a meticulous way to facilitate learning for these children. So we view the environment as a third as a third teacher. And I think that's a very it's a, a it's very rooted in the um, Reggio Amelia approach to early learning and um take them Obviously, take them on a tour of the classroom. Have photos of your classroom. Do a tour online if you can't have people in person. But let them know that the, that the environment is there for the children. And it is 100% in the children are in control of the environment. And number four, show them. Show them how play is learning. Take each time to take time each day, sorry, to document learning. And if you aren't sure how to document, I have a, I think I did a whole podcast on documentation. Um, so you can go back and listen to that. I also have a free 17-page documentation guide on my website, learning-wild.com, that you can go and download for free. So you can get to work on documenting learning and what that means. The easiest way to start documenting, I would suggest, would be to take photos and post them somewhere that your parents, the parents of your program have access to. And then link all of those things in that photo to benchmarks or standards for your state. So if your state has any sort of standards or early learning benchmarks, um, ours in Minnesota are called the Minnesota Early Childhood Indicators of Progress. If your state has any of those things, re- you need to know them. You need to be very aware of what is going on in your state as far as early childhood standards and benchmarks so that you can say when your child or when this child was doing was stacking blocks they were working on fine motor skills eye hand coordination and you can rattle off all of the things according to the standards that that child was doing and learning in that moment when they were stacking blocks use big words like big sciencey words and (laughs) 
physics words and things like that. You could write a whole darn benchmark under the photo as a caption. Take a photo. This is a fun exercise I love to do. Um, take a photo and then get your benchmark book for your state. If Again, if your state doesn't have one, Minnesota's is excellent. There's actually a whole entire thing at the beginning of the Minnesota Early Childhood Indicators of Progress about play and how children don't learn through a rote memorization and how, um, how, how children learn through play. And so it's a fantastic resource if your state doesn't have a resource like that already. But I love to take a picture of a photo and then I look through that book and I put every single benchmark that they are meeting underneath that photo and sometimes it's like 50 so that's a fun exercise to do and if you are again trying to convince yourself too still that play is learning I think that is one of the best exercises that you can do is take some photos of your time with children in your program or in your classroom and then go home and spend some time writing out every single benchmark peel through that benchmark book and write down every single benchmark that would fit from that moment in time that that child was doing or that group of children were doing. It's a really, really fantastic way to open your eyes to that play is learning if you're still convincing yourself. Um, And it's a fun exercise to do to show parents as well because unfortunately we have to prove that we know what we're doing in the play-based field. And again, I hope that changes someday. Um, But for now... There are fun ways that you can do it and it you can tell that this whole entire conversation gets me on fire and um, gets me really excited because I I do believe, I, I put a positive spin on it instead of, oh, I have to prove this, that, and the other thing. I look at it as a fun challenge that I am a freaking play detective and I get the opportunity to sit and observe and watch these children learn and watch them play and peel through it and detectivize I just made that word up (laughs) detectivize their play and their actions and bring it in and wrap it all up in a pretty little bow and say by doing this they learn this 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 and this all the 50 million standards that they're learning in that one moment of stacking blocks I think it's fun and if you do do this this week I would love and you put it on Instagram or Facebook I would love for you to tag me in it because it's so fun. It is a fun thing to do. It's a fun exercise and it really opens your eyes and it can open the eyes to the community and the parents um, that you already have in your program and um, let them know that play is learning. Play is learning. So there you go. My four tips for helping parents understand play and that is how we learn. So I hope you guys have a fantastic day and we'll see you again soon. Hey, I need you to do me a huge, 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 huge favor. If you liked listening and you want to be able to hear more, can you please go on to iTunes and leave me a five-star review? I would so appreciate it. And then connect with me on Instagram. It's learning.wild. We'll see you around.